Hey there, welcome to Rekindle Your Light. I'm Idaiber Orozco, your host on this journey of rediscovering hope and resilience. Each week, we talk about reigniting that inner spark that never really fades. And we don't just stop at inspiration. We actually unpack practical tools. As a sole purpose coach, actor, human design reader, and emotion code practitioner, I am your go-to for heartfelt conversations. Let this podcast be that gentle notch, encouraging you to step the your goals and dreams. Now, open your heart and let your soul listen. This is Rekindle Your Light. In today's episode, we're introduced to the inspiring Sasha Braham, a visionary teacher whose mission is to uplift her peers through mindset and manifestation. Our journey with Sasha shows how her deep personal losses led her to rediscover her life's purpose and create a deep connection with the natural world. She demonstrates how our greatest challenges can teach us the most valuable lessons with nature serving as a classroom. She also stresses the importance of nurturing our own spirits to effectively support others, advocating for a balance between giving and self-care. Sasha encourages a life led by instinct and a natural flow, suggesting that the body and the soul inherently know what they need. We must simply listen and provide the medicine it calls for, whether that be through nature, art, or expression. This episode is an invitation to explore the healing power of Mother Earth and to listen more closely to what our inner selves are truly seeking. Hear how Sasha's journey through loss led her to embrace the solace of the Jamaican hills and the expressive release of dancing, even when it wasn't good, and how these practices can illuminate our own paths to well-being. Are you feeling lost or stuck lately? Wondering what your next step should be amidst all this doubt and confusion? Maybe you're searching for that elusive sense of purpose, but you just can't seem to find it. Well, guess what? I'm right here for you. Think of me as your straightforward, kind-hearted friend who's ready to help you figure things out. Together, we'll tailor a plan that fits you perfectly using all the tools I've got. It's time to take action. Head over to rekindleyourlight.com and book your free session. Ready? Let's do this. I'm here with a very special guest. I had the pleasure to meet her a few weeks ago when I was in her podcast. And now I invited her to share with you her story and her journey. And I will let her introduce herself. So go ahead, Sasha. Thank you so much for welcoming me, welcoming me to your community. It's such an honor to be able to have somebody listen to my story and in some way inspire someone or allow somebody else to kind of rekindle their light in any which way. So it's such a privilege and honor to be here. Thank you for having me. So my name is Sasha Braham. I am living in the UK, London. I am a teacher and a mindset and manifestation coach. I'm a mother. I've got here three beautiful children. I mean, what else can I say? I'm just, I'm so happy to be here. Happy to be here. So a teacher and a mindset and manifestation coach. So how did those two things came together? So tell me a little bit about the background and how you got there. Okay. So this is, this is, we're going to go way back. We're going all the way back. Okay. I'll just tell you my story and then we can go from there. My background is from Jamaica, so the Caribbean, and we are very, very, very much into our Christianity, into our, it's, I mean, it's ingrained, it's not just a religion for us, it's our culture, it's it's getting dressed on a Sunday, putting our pretty little dresses on and going to church, it's having community, going around one another's house, support, advice, all of that good stuff. And so I always knew the idea of community, the idea of God, the idea of love. And I went to a Christian school, 
And I grew up basically from as far as I can remember, knowing that there was a God and hearing my parents and my grandparents talk to God. Although I didn't at that time have like a personal relationship with God until when I was 23. I just finished going to university and I met my now husband and I fell pregnant. And when I look back now, I was just very young and inexperienced and immature. But here I was on this journey of motherhood. And suddenly when I was 28 weeks and five days pregnant, I went to a very, very standard doctor's appointment checkup where I was told that I basically have preeclampsia. So for those of you who don't know what that means, it's basically an emergency, a medical emergency for the mother. And my blood pressure was, I think, of 210 over 129. That's a number that sticks in my head. So for those people who don't know, 140 over 90 is considered high. I didn't have any symptoms. I was going along my merry way. I was going to work. I had no idea. I hadn't even heard of preeclampsia. I certainly didn't know anybody who had experienced it or anything like that. It came up to me that... So you sure. you happen to have an appointment. It's not like you were going to the doctor because you were no, feeling yeah. bad. You just happened no. to be going to an appointment mm-hmm. and they discovered these things. Okay. Okay. I just, the divine intervention, obviously it's yeah, coming so, through. So, so that's why I wanted yeah. to point it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it all kind of aligned. So here I am basically feeling normal. I had, I went to work that day and I had been going to work. And anyway, so I'm at this doctor appointment and when they're taking the blood pressure readings it was so high that they thought that the blood pressure machine had broken and they were trying I suppose not to communicate that to me but I could sense in the energy that something wasn't right anyway the more that they were fussing around me and you know creating this kind of energy my blood pressure was going up and up and it became like we need to deliver this baby today because you're not going to make it very much longer if we don't deliver the baby today so there I am in my work clothes and my work bag and I'm just basically sat down on a chair and they were telling me like we're going to take you for a cesarean section today so I had the baby was born fine the baby is called Cassian she was my firstborn daughter and I was so not ready I was almost in shock traumatized so she was born fine and essentially she was in the neonatal unit because she was born prematurely But all the attention was on me and trying to get my blood pressure down before I started having seizures and fits and and it went into eclampsia. To to make the story very, very short, when she was six weeks old, it was about roughly the 21st of May. And we was told that she was going to be coming out. You know, she Mm -hmm. was going to be released soon and everything was going to be great. And it was really exciting for me because my birthday was going to be the next week. My birthday is May the 29th and Mm -hmm. this was around May the 20th, something like that. And then suddenly I got a phone call from the nurse or somebody from the department saying, look, she's caught this infection and she's not doing very well at all. And she's going to need to come and like, she's going to might even have surgery today. Otherwise she may not make it. And so started to be frantic again. What do you mean? Like, what, what does that mean? She's coming home next week. What, why, how has she got an infection that's so sudden and so terrible? So she had the surgery and it was about five o'clock in the morning. I remember because they allowed me to stay over. I was so anxious and worried. And as I was just about to go to sleep, just drifting off. Bang! The nurse came through the door. Look, look, you need to get up now. You need to come and say goodbye to her now. Oh, my God. What the hell? My, what, what, do, what do you mean? <laughs> so then, you know, everybody came round and my family came round because that's what we do. And friends came round to support and everything. 
And sadly, she passed away six weeks after, literally six weeks, precisely six weeks to the time that she was born. She passed away almost the exact same time, mm. uh, 10 past 12. And so here I am a week before my 24th birthday, where I'm meant to be celebrating and I'm bringing my newborn baby home. But instead, you've told me that she's passed away from an infection that she caught from you guys. And I was just so, it was just so profound that there was just so many emotions, questions that I, I couldn't even fathom. I, I, it was just so much. It was so overwhelming. And I didn't have anyone to speak with. I, like, I didn't know anybody who had gone through this or who had experienced this or whatever. And I just needed to get away. I needed to leave this country because on top of feeling such sadness, I was angry mm -hmm. that you guys didn't pick up the, my illness in the first place because you could have done something mm -hmm. to stop it getting this far. And even though, it, you know, she was born fine, you guys allowed her to catch an infection. You know, this was my, my, my thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to leave the country. And I went back home to Jamaica and I went back home to the most hilliest place, the place almost so isolated where you can just see nothing but green hills and valleys of green like royal beautiful green and I spent I just that was the first opportunity where I had nothing I had nothing left mm -hmm. and the only thing that I could rely on was God now I didn't use that word right. at the time but I would pray I would talk to somebody something I would put these questions out into the atmosphere. Why? There was, I had so many plans. There were so much things that I had to do that I wanted to do. Why should she be the person who was punished? And so as the months went on, I went and I just basically every day, every single day, I went to this one particular tree. It was a breadfruit tree. And everybody knew that if they wanted me to see me, to come and say hello, that was the tree that they would find me in. And I sat there, I observed nature I, I listened to music I grounded myself oh it was just like medicine the medicine I didn't even know I needed and then time went on and time went on and I started to feel better and I started to heal myself and then before you knew it there was I was blessed to have another child and then another child so now I've got two children <laughs> well, three in total two here and honestly I could say that that was probably one of the lowest points in my life and then as the years went on and I was a mother to these two other children now, I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. I had no idea. I mean, we never really know, do we? <laughs> but I had no idea <laughs> what I was doing. And there was a little bit of kind of hidden trauma as to there should be three children here or, <laughs> you know, what she what would she be doing at this time? Blah, blah, blah. And then my son. So he 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 would have been three months at the time so my my second daughter she was a year and a half and then my son was three months mm -hmm. and it was a very rainy London October evening so mm -hmm. about five o'clock but it was dark and I just needed to run to the shop to go and get some bread mm -hmm. and so luckily my mum said to me look I'll keep the children because it's raining you just go get the bread and come back home and so that I did and then as I'm crossing the road right by my house, this clown decided that he was speeding on a motorbike and he hit me as I was crossing the road. And I kind of did a little somersault in the sky wow. <laughs> and boom, slapped down onto the pavement. And I had to learn to walk again. I had damaged all four, three out of four of my limbs. And I 
took me a year to walk again and I did and it got to the point where I was like I needed to I I, I need a job where I don't have because I, I don't need to it doesn't need to be frantic where mm-hmm. I'm able to work around my children who are still young mm-hmm. so I retrained to become a teacher and so to be honest I always wanted to become a teacher it was my first love it was something mm-hmm. that I always wanted to do and the only reason why I didn't pursue it was because I failed my maths qualification and I re- tried to take it again and I failed again and I thought actually forget this <laughs> I do not want to, to do this again and it was a bit of embarrassment as well anyway I was now in my mid-20s late 20s and I said look I need to to do something when my children are not burdened during the holidays when they're not at school and I want to spend some time with my children so I went back to university done my maths qualification did my top-up teacher degree and there I am I started my teacher degree teaching and I tell you when I went into that classroom it was like I'm home this was exactly what I needed to do this was exactly what I wanted I felt such privilege such honor I felt it, it was it was like such a gift that I could have an impact in these I'm trusted hmm. with these human beings and it was just like oh wow that's you know I'm not going to take this for granted I, I honestly want to do my best because I'm trusted in this position and all of these children my aim is that they can leave this room with one thing that they didn't enter it that that might be knowledge but that also might be a feeling of self-worth a mm. feeling of value a feeling of being loved and appreciated and part of a community what, whatever it might be and so then as the years went by and covid came teaching became let me choose my words carefully <laughs> teaching became tough it became unenjoyable it became less about the teaching and more about the admin and the meetings and and you just do this and I need you to meet this parent. And it was just like, I'm actually teaching less. I'm spending less time with my students. And this was the fun bit. This was the bit I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to be burdened down with 73 emails in the afternoon and then having to set up a meeting and then do a telephone call and been told I'm rubbish or I haven't done enough or made to feel like I'm... It was all the stuff. Mm. And it became unenjoyable for me. And I, I remember thinking, look these teachers are struggling and we're losing really good teachers. And these are teachers who are fortunate or unfortunate, whatever you want to say, where they go home and then their evening starts at four o'clock, five o'clock. I go home and I've got two children, now three children to go home to. So I don't get, my evening doesn't start until nine o'clock in the evening. And then maybe I've got one hour to myself and then I've got to go to bed ready for the next day. And it became monotonous. It became like a tick box activity. I wasn't a very good teacher. Yes, I was giving, I was doing lessons, but I wasn't connected because I just didn't have enough in my tank to be able mm-hmm. to give any more than what I was giving already. And so then 2020, 21 mm-hmm. came and it was January the 17th. And I spoke to, like I would do every day, me and my younger sister, Andrea, we were just so close. She would call me her second mother. Every day we would speak to one another. And so, of course, this random Saturday came and we spoke. And she said, oh, I've got a bit of a headache. So I said, all right, just go lie down. We'll speak tomorrow. And it, that was our last conversation. She had had a seizure and that was she passed away at the age of 19. But and- previously, the week before that, this was January. So what do you call that thing? New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm was that I want to go to dance. I I want to go to dance because I really love dancing. 
-hmm. I want to dedicate two hours of the week to myself because I think I deserve that right and I want to kind of do some physical activity and so I said look anybody want to come with me I don't feel comfortable going by myself and nobody wanted to come so I made a promise and I said look Andrea and I call her Angie Angela I'm gonna go I'm just going to do it by myself and it will be, even if it's rubbish, I'll be so proud that I've done this by myself. And so that was when I'd done it the first week, I think it was about the 5th of the 6th of January. And I posted, I sent her the video and she was like, yes, girl, you're so proud of you. That's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And so obviously the week after she had passed away and I was like, the last thing I want to do is dance. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not even on my radar, but Andrea, she was so happy for me and she encouraged me to do this. She would be so annoyed that I just gave up after one week. And so from then until today, I dance every Monday. I only haven't danced if I've gone on holidays or if like it's a, it's a you know, some, some event where it, it's, it's, it's not on. But I, I go to dance because one, it's enjoyable. Two, it's a form of expression for me. And three, because... It is a reminder every week that when I look at that first dance video that I sent her, it was so terrible. It was so terrible. I was just flopping all over the place and it was it was so terrible. But when I look at my dance videos now, it's so much expression. It's clean. It's it's sharp. There's energy in it. And it's my constant reminder that you if you just stay in the game long enough, you will improve. You have to. If you continue to work at something, anything, you will get better. Now, I'm not proclaiming to be a a professional dancer. I've got absolutely no interest in being a professional dancer. But the point is, it's a constant reminder that you can do anything, essentially, if you're willing to give it a try. If despite such heartbreak and such devastation, you still show up, even in a small, small, small way. Just keep going. Just keep trying. And you'll make improvements. And if nothing else, it will make you feel good. So that's a very, very long introduction. Wow. wow. There's so much to reflect here. There's so many juicy things that you have shared with me that I feel privileged to be a witness of you expressing your story. When you talked about your first major heartbreak and how you had intuitively this desire to connect with earth, to connect with nature. Was there something, someone who told you go outside or was it literally just you feeling this pull? What was it? That's such a good question. So as I said, I'm from London. Like there's just such little green hair. You could probably count the grass, (laughs) the blades of grass. It's just, it's just, when you think London, you don't think green and nature. I have absolutely no reason or I had no reason to to have that calling to go there. Mm-hmm. None. Other than the fact that I had been there previously. Mm. Other than the fact that it was, I needed to be away from the noise. London is a very busy place. It's just so much going on. And because of that, there's no time to pause. There's no time to slow down and go inwards. And it got to the point where, it just wasn't an option for me to be able to process what was happening and what had gone what I'd gone through. I needed to stop before I moved on. I needed to stop and kind of gather my thoughts and and, and process what what was a major life event. Now I don't know why I chose there, but I know it was 
the perfect medicine for what I needed. I go back, I can see my tree now. It, I'll give you a joke. I was in that tree so much that my husband kind of made a little station for me. He got a little chair and a place where I could put my snacks because I, I promise you, I'd get up in the morning have my shower and that would be the place where I go until when it could become dusk and then I'll go back inside. It was a copy and paste process for weeks, probably months. The smells, the, the textures, mm-hmm. the colours. It's such a reminder that it is in- intuitive. Mm-hmm. We don't need to do anything to intervene into how the plants and nature and earth just does its thing. And it's such a reminder and it, it's such it's so humbling that little old us, we think we're so grand and we think we're so big, but we are just as those plants and those trees. We, If we allow it, we can just continue to flow and do our thing in a very natural, instinctive way instead of the constant pushing and fighting and forcefulness. Nature's so graceful. Trees are so great. They're just there. They're mighty and they're connected and they're strong. And yet they are just, you know, when the wind blows and the leaves fall, it's such a reminder that this is, it's, it's, it's a cycle. It's, you know, it's just something that happens and it's, you don't need to do anything for it to just continue to flow and to move as it's supposed to move. That is the literal explanation of what surrender is. And that is something that you, I mean, you asked me in your podcast, and this is something that people ask me all the time. How do you define surrender? What does it look like? That's what it looks like. It looks like taking a pause and allowing everything around you just be. Everything that you're feeling in just be. Just be. You painted such a beautiful picture of what that process looks like. Sounds Mm. simple, but it's not because we're constantly, like you said, trying to do, do, do do the next thing. Mm-hmm. Let me work on my grief. Sometimes there's nothing to work mm. on. Sometimes it's just it's to allow just, it yes. to be. And for you, it was nature. For you, it was that tree. I remember you just make me remember something that I experienced in the year 2021 when I lost my dad. And I remember I went to Mexico. I go to Mexico a couple of times a year because like the closest thing that reminds me of Venezuela. Yeah. And that more, way more accessible for me being in LA. So I went to Mexico and I went to this particular place for the first time. And they had these kind of like these natural pools where it's Mm -hmm. like there was no chlorine or anything in the water. It's literally just natural water. Mm -hmm. So the water stays there and it's very cold. It's just what it is, depending on the weather. And there's not a lot of sun in that area. And I remember entering in that pool one, you know, my first day or second day. And that was the first time I felt, it was almost like a shock in my body where I felt Mm. all the pain that I was holding, that I was trying to keep within me, just leave. Like it was so shocking because the cold water was so cold and so unexpected and so unexpected that I had nowhere to go other than allow the tears to come out. And I Mm. couldn't stop crying for a while. And, and, and I was like, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, I'm just healing. I'm just allowing nature to be with me and me to feel the things that I'm intended and supposed to be feeling. Now, when I refer back to that place and I've been back a couple of times and, and it has had that similar effect 
Like, no. I know I'm going to go in that pool. Yeah. I know I'm going to feel what I need to feel. <laughs> and now you have this beautiful memory of your tree and I have this beautiful memory of this pool. And it's like, it doesn't have to get that complicated. We don't have to go to another country. We don't have to go to, uh, mm-hmm. to a secluded place to feel these things. We need to just create the circumstances to experience these, these emotions and to allow ourselves to have that space and that freedom to just be so whether it's in in the porch of your house or whether Mm -hmm. it's to take an afternoon off just to look at the sunset whatever it is but nature is so healing when we give it the opportunity to to be with us or for us to be with it because it's there it's just there available for us it's there this is a perfect point to bring in how I came about being my mindset and manifestation mm-hmm. as a teacher my gosh and I'm still teaching I had my lessons today it's so busy and we are pulled in 482 different directions mm-hmm. it's so taxing and one of the techniques that kind of led me to my new path was I'm going to literally gift myself the opportunity to take a break now at the start that break could only be 10 minutes because that, that was all I could manage because I would start to feel like, you know, I, I've got mm. to quick go back. Do you know what some of the best things, I'm going to use the word medicine again, in that such chaotic environment. When it's my lunchtime, I will get up from my desk, I'll put music in or I'll put a podcast in or what my favourite is, some guided meditation. And I would walk and I would either walk around the school or I would walk to the shops or I would just get up and move. 10 minutes 15 minutes max do you know the impact of such something that would be deemed so silly so Mm -hmm. minute the impact meant I was able to have some space or some physical space between me and what I deemed was demanding or you know requiring my attention it allowed me to reconnect to something that brought me joy so if if it was a high vibe song that would raise my vibration and that would give me the fuel that I would need to go back in to do my next two lessons. And then if I need to go again for my lunch break, I would go and take another 10 minutes walk. And I would continue this cycle, especially in the very peak stress, you know, very overwhelming times of the school year, exam time. In the morning, I would take that 10 minute walk. I would get off the bus 10 minutes stop earlier and I would walk and I would put in my morning meditation then I'd start I'd go in I'd do my emails I'd plan like deliver my lessons etc then my break my break is 20 minutes trust me I'm going to go and use the bathroom and I'm going to move because what was happening is I would start my day from seven o'clock in the morning and I would end my day at around eight nine o'clock and I was living in a permanent state of stress, cortisol level is off the chart and I'm on this hamster wheel of mm-hmm. today's the same as yesterday and it's going to be the same as the next day. And it's just, it was just a blur. Like the academic year would just blur into one. There was no one thing that made it different from the other. And then when I gifted myself this time, this small little bite-sized gulps of oxygen, I was able to be a little bit more present with my students. I was able to maybe give them a smile or how are you doing? Good morning. Good afternoon. How was your lunch? How was the match yesterday? Because that's what I believe teaching is about. Yes, the academics, there's no doubt that you want somebody to leave with knowledge and learning in your classroom. If COVID has taught us one thing, knowledge and just simply learning, they can just get that off YouTube. They can read a book. Mm -hmm. That's not what 
education really is all about. The core of education, in my very humble opinion, is that somebody who cares enough to hold you accountable. Somebody who notices that today your smile isn't as big as it was yesterday. Somebody who notices that I know that you're going through something. Have you had lunch today? Are you are you okay? Did you have an argument with your friends? To see that individual student as part of an extension of you, really. And so if you really do care about them and you're really offering yourself in such in, in that way, you can't do the best you can if you if you are overflowing with your own stuff. And I remember thinking, I'm not consciously doing this. I'm not consciously being short or not enjoying it. And it's my obligation to show up in the best way I can for these young people. Mm -hmm. It's not their responsibility to care and carry your burdens. That's not what they're there for. They're there because they are going on their own journey. And in some way, you need to impart some part of you into that journey. And you can't do the best you can if you're coming from a place of lack yourself. And so my teaching became my, in my 10 so I've been teaching for 10 years now and the last academic year where I've been very conscious of myself where I've given myself time to be linking back to what we discussed earlier mm-hmm. where I gave myself the opportunity to go inwards to connect personally to my soul to my inner inner being my source when I was able to do that my students left that academic year with the best grades the highest grades that I have ever achieved in my whole 10 year of teaching so what does that tell you it tells you that teaching alone isn't where the magic happens the magic happens where you can connect to yourself where you feel abundant where you feel privileged where you feel connected and you show up in a high vibrational way because as the universe dictates to us they will be a reflection of that sometimes that reflection may take a few months or weeks because they're doing with their own stuff but they will reflect back to you your energy today i'll give you an example today my student she's 16 years old and we had an assessment and she she was so grumpy she was so annoyed she was so irritable and she came in with just she just didn't want to be there almost borderline rude and i just I just didn't entertain that energy. I just I just didn't entertain it. I, I gave her her instructions and I moved and I left her. As the time went by, she was breaking because she realized she wasn't going to get what she was seeking. Mm-hmm. So the only way to let this time pass was to kind of in some way do as I'm asking. By the end of the lesson, she had produced an entire page of written work. Now, that's a small win. That's a that's a small win for some. But to me, that's a major win because ultimately she did what I needed her to do. And at the end of the lesson, I said, look, you have been, I'm, I really appreciate what you've done today. I saw that you wasn't really in a good mood this this afternoon, but I really, really am grateful for for what you've done. And I I appreciate the effort that you put in and I'm I'm, I'm proud of you. And so she goes, thanks, miss. And with a little <laughs> smile. And then she walks, and then she walks off. That's what it's about. And for context, I work in a very inner London school. It's not a private school. There's very high needs, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have it any other way. But also it seems that the work that you've done within and even the profound losses that you have suffered have brought you back to your why. Why yes. do you want it to be a teacher in the first place? And it's like, without yeah. that work, you probably would have just stayed in the hamster wheel for years and been burnt out and Absolutely. miserable and upset. And the students are the ones who are going to pay that price. Yet, because Absolutely. you were willing to do the work and you were willing to go through these painful moments of acceptance and surrendering, 
that are not easy to do because it's easier to numb Absolutely them. Not. It's easier yeah. to just ignore Absolutely. them, bury them. But instead, you decided to face yes. them in the way that you knew how to face them, the best way that you knew how to face them. But because you did that, then it brought you back to being excited about your job again, be finding more meaning into your job. And then it's a result now on what you're seeing with your students. So beautiful. It's such an honor. I still, to this day, feel like it's such a privilege and such an honor to in some way have an impact on these young people who I serve. I can't, I wouldn't even be able to give you a number of the amount of children who have, you know, who I've interacted with in in my role over the years. I, I couldn't even grab a number. But if, let's just, for argument's sake, let's say a thousand. Wouldn't it be better that those thousand people can say something positive about you rather than negative? Mm. wouldn't it be better for them to say oh I remember her I can't remember her name but she used to always tell me good morning and now Mm. because of that I'm going to say good morning to to this person I mean it's just you know the the losses yes have been so profound and I remember both of those two times thinking obviously there's a lots of why and Mm -hmm. you know I'm so sad or you know again she would call me I remember when Angie passed she called me her her mother and I would call her my my big daughter Mm-hmm. And so I remember thinking, oh, I've lost another big daughter again. I've got to go through mm-hmm. this this feeling of grief again. And I show, I remember she said, I'm, I'm committing to you that I'm going to go to this dance class. And why it's so important for me to bring it up is because it's a form of surrender to me, mm-hmm. for me. Because I'll be honest, I had some days where I was just like, I just need to go under my covers. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want no one to talk to me. I don't even, I don't want to look at you. I don't, I just want to just not exist for this three or four hours where I can just think and do what I'm doing or do nothing. And then we, I can do whatever it is after that. I remember thinking, yes, I will have those days, but I have to show up because I've promised her. And that was my surrender that despite feeling like rubbish, Mm -hmm. I'm a woman of my word. And in some way, this is going to be healing. And it was so the dance I do is routines. And after a few weeks after she passed, I couldn't get the routine. I couldn't, what came so easily before, I couldn't mm-hmm. get it. And mm-hmm. it was so frustrating. It was just like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going backwards. This is so annoying. Mm-hmm. I now know it's just, you just have to keep going. Just keep going. And sh- in one day, keep going might just be, this is all I can do. This one little bit. And then another day, keep going might be, oh, I can do this grand amount of things, whatever, whatever the thing might be. But I'm going to allow myself to go within. And I know at this moment, what I need to do is show up at that dance class, move my body, Mm -hmm. express your feet, because that was what it was for me. I now look back and I think it's expression. Mm -hmm. It was expression in a different way, Mm -hmm. but it was an expression. And if you think about divine, I went to the dance class the first Monday of that year of last year and it was enough time for her to see to see the dance mm-hmm. and to give me her blessing why like why did I not why did I mean I could have just said I'm not going that week I'll go the week after because nobody wants to go with me mm-hmm. it wasn't meant to be that way yeah and her passing I don't you know I mean I'm not here to question why she passed but ultimately in some way that was a gift to me for showing up for myself for surrendering because I had no I questioned God again, again, mm-hmm. why, what, 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 what am I here to learn again? And I haven't got all the answers and I probably will be learning these lessons for many years to come. But I mean, you know, my life now is just full of gratitude 
because I know what it's like to feel those really low depths of sadness and profound grief. And I know now that when I get up and I'm feeling healthy and I'm, you know, I'm excited to go to school and I've got what I want to speak to this child because they had a, a, a game last night and I want to find out how it how it went or to see my children get a, um, a certificate for something that they've done at school. My heart is literally filled to explosion. How how amazing. There's so much goodness to see that the world will remind you of how bad things are. You don't have to look far at all to be reminded about the, the weather, about the war, about the death, about the... My God, there's, name the problem. You'll find a news article or somebody talking or complaining about it. But the law of polarity, the universal law of polarity says, if there is such negative energy, if there is such doom and gloom, then we know that there is equally that amount of goodness, that mm -hmm. amount of love, that amount of happiness and joy and connection. We just have to go and find it. Yes. And that and might be hard at first. Yeah. And it's what you've been doing. It's <laughs> like, and then it's what a lot of people in my circle in similar circumstances, this is what we do, right? This is why these podcasts exist because oh, we yes. fail and we feel miserable and we feel the pain and we ask the questions and yeah. we don't get the answers, the whys and all of these things. Yes. <laughs> but then yeah. we are also using our expression, our love, our creativity, yeah. our joy to get out of those places and say, I have a choice. I can stay there. Absolutely. Or Absolutely. I can truly push through and show up. And you have been today yeah. a testament of what that looks like. I am in awe mm. of your story. I am in mm. awe of your energy, your authenticity. You're so genuine. There's something when I saw you, I told you the first time I saw you, I was just drawn to you. you and did. I was like, you did. You Ooh, did. you know, I, you, I, you I, can, I could feel your energy without knowing your story. I had no idea about your story. Oh, and then yes, when we connected and we realized that there was a lot of commonalities in your story with my story. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even had my honeymoon yeah. in Jamaica to make another connection, you know, <laughs> it's like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jamaica. No so. Awesome. And, so, oh, and I didn't know that you amazing. were from there. So I just love yeah. seeing, seeing all these connections. And I feel that, you have so much to offer, not only to the students, but to your fellow teachers, to your fellow uh, meditators and colleagues and, and mm -hmm. coaches, because you've been through it. You've been through it. And that's, that's the best way to teach someone and say, I get it. I get what you're going through. I understand that. And look at me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm in a place of gratitude. It doesn't mean that we're going to stay there continuously. There are going to be moments when we'll be Absolutely. pulled back yes. and the rock will be pulled again. And yes. But we're, we're yes. building the tools. We're building the community. We're building ourselves. Yes. And I'm just mm. so, so, so proud of your journey. So thank you so much for, for oh. sharing all of this with me. It's, it's literally... It feels like like a bomb to my soul today. It, it, it's this is oh beautiful. my gosh! Thank you. You're so welcome. And I, I just want to finish off by saying, look, this I haven't shared any of this for sympathy or for you know anything other than the fact that I know just by just because it's you know I know one person listening to this, only one, will hear this and think I will take away one thing away, and I'm going to work on this or this is going to impact 
something about me or this has landed in a different way. If only one person can take away something that I said today, I can tick the box and say, Sasha, girl, you did it. You 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 made a difference again. That that's that's all it is for me. It's just my heart is just so full, and I'm so grateful to be in a place where I am, and I'm so grateful for the lessons that I've learned and connecting with just amazing human beings like you. And so, one person, if if you are that one person, please message to let to let the podcast know, let, let me know, look, communicate, speak, reach out, because we are there's people here who, despite or because of their stories can show up for you and say, girl, I've got you. Or come on, come with me. I'm certainly not perfect. I do not have all of my <laughs> eggs in a row. I do not. Nobody does. Some stuff Nobody and, does. <laughs> yeah. And I can I I'm I have a few things that I can suggest to you that could just lighten your load or can make you smile or just give you some encouragement. And so that's that's my pledge. That's my mission. My mission actually is to uplift teachers with the power of mindset and manifestation. That's what I'm, it's my mission. I can see mission. it. And it's already, it's already <laughs> a reality. And, and not only you're doing that for teachers, you're doing that for your community and your community is not only teachers, although, you know, in some way absolutely. or another, we're all teachers because we're constantly learning and oh, giving each absolutely. other knowledge and power absolutely. to, to, to learn further. But Sasha girl, you did it because you already moved me today. (laughs) You already got a lot of seeds planted in myself that I'm going to reflect on. And I just love this beautiful theme of medicine and nature and dance and joy Mm -hmm. and expression. And I just want to check all those boxes and say, yes, yes, please. More of that, more of that. We need more of that. (laughs) So what additional question the universe wants me to ask you today oh gosh (laughs) okay let's see as a child what do you want to be when you grew up I think we kind of know already but why (gasps) were you interested in that path okay so as a child we all know I said I wanted to be a teacher from around four or five I always wanted to be a teacher but I also wanted to be a midwife I just think Yes, the opportunity to in some way support a woman bringing forth a life, that would be beyond words. My sister gave me the privilege to witness the birth of her son, my nephew. Uh And I was like, I cried probably more than the baby who was just born. (laughs) it's such an oh my god it's it's and again linking back to the theme of today's podcast episode is that you do nothing and this body this amazing body just instinctively knows what to do and then the baby comes out and knows what to do and you're reminded that as big and as grand as you believe you are we are all the same we are all connected and this is just a natural process and we are it's so beautiful it's it's a stunning part of this world that we are in and yeah i would love to be able to experience another birth in some way oh yes yes do you think that's something that maybe is in the cards for you in the future where you can combine (sighs) all of your experience and end up like doing that for people 
I'm never gonna say never. I mean, like, maybe <laughs> like in a do in, in a doula kind of uh -huh, uh -huh. doula doula yeah. kind of way. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. But I'm open, universe. Who's to say? Like, bring it on. I'm gonna surrender. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so so much. So now, oh, tell gosh. us if anybody wants to know more about your journey or wants to find out more about what you do as a coach and as a manifesting coach, like how they can find you. Okay, lovely people. So I am on Instagram. You can catch me at woo-woo underscore teachers club. Or I'm on LinkedIn as Sasha Braham. Or, or you can listen to my podcast, which is the woo-woo teachers club. And I'm on all of the platforms. Come and listen to my crazy manifestation, mindset and school combination podcast. I'd love to have you over there. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun and, and so profound. Like really, I, I feel really connected to your story. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to interview you today. Oh, amazing. And thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced and mixed by Leo Rod. And thanks to Mark West and Mark West Art for the fantastic show music. Before you go, I've got three quick favors to ask. First, hit the subscribe button. Next, if you know someone who could use a little spark in their life, share this episode with them. Just imagine that you're spreading joy like a puppy wagging its tail. Lastly, leave a review. Every review makes me as happy as a puppy with a new chew toy. You get it. But seriously, your support is what keeps this show going and glowing. Keep shining bright, my friend.